You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Johnny Heller. Johnny, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, nothing much, Ty. Had a pretty good night. Saw Temple basketball claim their first dub of the season. So looking forward to that. How how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. I spent most of my afternoon looking at baseball savant at Mike Morin's peripherals. So, you know, that's kind of how my evening's gone. What a way to spend an evening. Oh, yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to... To this episode, we got a lot in store for you guys. So, Johnny, why, why don't we get us started? Yeah, so, um, you know, later in the episode, we're going to answer some mailbag questions that uh, people submitted on Twitter. But first, something I wanted to talk about, it was something that Ty uh, mentioned on Twitter the other day, and I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. And it's, you know, if you could have one or two players from the Phillies rebuild, uh, so let's call that window like 2013 to 2017, uh, in their current state, so like how they play now, and put them on this team, who would it be? Um, so Ty, who were some of the the more common answers you saw, and, and do you agree? And yeah, yeah. So most most of the answers included uh, included Charlie Morton, as they probably should be. To be honest, when I tweeted that, I uh, didn't realize how obvious it would be that Morton is ob- he's been clearly the best player from the Phillies rebuild. Unfortunately, he only started a few games for the actual Phillies, but, you know, he's a legit Cy Young type of pitcher um, right now. So he, he's like the clear guy that you would want to put on this team, especially because they need starting pitching so badly. But other than that, um, a couple names that came up a lot. Ender Inciarte is someone that people said, uh, which I thought was... about him. Yeah, just because he never actually played a game for the Phillies, right. so I didn't, I didn't think of him either. But I thought that was a, a pretty good answer. Freddie Galvis came up a lot, and, you know, um, postseason hero Howie Kendrick came yeah. up a lot as well. Um, NCRT would be an interesting one because they do need a center fielder, but Howie Kendrick would also probably man third base for the team right now. Right. So I, Galvis is just behind those guys, I would think. But NCRT or Kendrick, I don't think you could, could really go wrong with either one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think and Kendrick's a free agent. You know, I don't know if he's if he's going to be in their plans, but he was really, really awesome this year. I mean, he was good for them uh, before they traded traded him. So, um, I mean, love to have him back in Philly. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I can't really think of anyone else. There were a lot of horrible players on those teams. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Hellickson would have been an upgrade this season. Jeremy Hellickson was pretty bad this year. They he, started Drew Smiley and Jason Vargas. Hellickson had an ERA of like 5.6. I don't care. He would have been better than some of these guys. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you can give me 2016 Hellickson, now we're talking. But 2016 Hellickson would have been the first or second best pitcher on this staff. I mean, Ken Giles and Jake Diekman. Yeah, those are also yeah, some good answers. Jake, yeah. Jake Diekman is somebody that... Honestly, um, you know, he might be in the plans for next season, depending on how free agency goes. Absolutely. He's, he was always – I remember when, when they called him up, he always had pretty good stuff. Um, he's had a, a nice little career. So we're going to switch things up a little bit this week just because we have the mailbag. So um, we're going to do our Phillies target spotlight at the beginning of the episode. Um which this segment every week, we, me and Ty both pick a player who we think the Phillies should uh, go after during this offseason. So, Ty, do you want to, want to start us off? Yeah, um, the player that I think the Phillies should go after in free agency, um, he's someone who is heavily regarded as probably the third best uh, pitcher in, in the free agent market. But uh, the kind of deeper the, uh, dive that I take into into this guy and some of his numbers in the background, uh, you know, it really makes me think that this should be the guy that the Phillies go after, and that would be um, former Mets pitcher Zach Wheeler. 
Um, he he's a guy who really has ace type of stuff, and you know maybe he hasn't completely put it together. I think his ERA this year was something like three point nine six, so not quite an ace level season. Maybe like a, a tier or two below that. But looking at some of his uh, some of his numbers and you know just the stuff he has, and his uh, his fastball is really good, and uh, the the way that he's able to strike guys out. I think that he'd be a really good pickup for this team, and he wouldn't cost them as much as uh, guys like Strasburg and, and Cole. So even if you're paying five years, you know, 20-ish million a year for him, uh, that's much less of a scary investment than maybe someone like Cole or Strasburg is going to be. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think um, the biggest thing with me for Wheeler is you're still getting a really, really good pitcher um, and it's there's just a lot of value there. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Jim Bowden's contract predictions on The Athletic. Obviously, you take these with a grain of salt, but he had, uh, I think he had Cole getting eight years, $280 million. And while obviously Garrett Cole is an awesome pitcher, that is a huge commitment for, you know, a pitcher can, you know, blow out his arm at any point. It's not likely, but... It, that happens, and then what are you paying for? Um, I think, like, you see the Nationals with Steven Strasburg, or sorry, with uh, Max Scherzer. They've lucked, not that they've, they've lucked out, but that's not very common for a guy to get a contract that big and really, really exceed expectations, even though he got that contract when he was 30 years old. Um, so, I mean, Zach Wheeler, Bowden had him at four years, $74 million. I think it'll be more than that. Uh, like you said, maybe four to five years in the $20 million. Uh, AAV range, which I think that's, like you said, a lot of value there, um, and it can allow them to do a lot of other stuff to patch other holes rather than, you know, if you put $36 million a year in one pitcher, um, if, even if you are going over the luxury tax, it doesn't give you a lot of room uh, to spend elsewhere. Yeah, and, you know, talking about what the investment would be like for guys like Strasburg and Cole, um, that that's just something that's super scary for a team because uh, especially with a guy like Strasburg, he's, what, 31 years old. He's had elbow injuries before. He's had Tommy John. Uh, you know, think back to his rookie year. There were so many injury concerns with him that they shut him down for the playoff race when that team seriously had the talent that they could have won a World Series and they shut him down for the end of the season because uh, the injury risks are there. Like, you don't you don't always want to invest in that in that type of uh, player. I know that Wheeler has also had um, his fair share of injuries. He's had Tommy John surgery as well. But um, the last few years, his innings have, have ticked up, and he's a, a little bit younger than Strasburg. But like I said, you're not investing the same kind of money um, into him as well. And, you know, uh, innings-wise, Wheeler, he's pitched a hundred. In 2018, he pitched 182, uh, and then in 2019, he pitched 195, which are, um, you know, both towards the higher numbers in his career, but it's also not overly high, you know. He he doesn't have a ton of, other than the injuries, uh, innings-wise, he doesn't have a ton of strain on his arm, which is right. a positive sign. And like I said, the stuff is def- the stuff is definitely there. Uh, taking a quick look, he he ranked near the top top ten percent in um, you know allowed exit velocity, top twenty percent in hard hard hit percentage, and his fastball velocity is also in the top ninety percent for all of you know the pitchers in baseball, which are really positive signs. So it's definitely the type of pitcher you want to invest in somebody who is able to not give up a ton of uh, hard hit balls and can blow that fastball by people. So I, I think he'd be a really good investment. I wasn't always sold on it, but the more I looked into it, the the more the, this move would make sense in my eyes for the Phillies. Absolutely. Um, and also, um, you know, me and you have talked a lot about how adding two starters is better than adding one. Not sure if you're going to be able to do that if you sign Cole or Strasburg, but if you sign Zach Wheeler... Uh, you can, you know, make another move. You can trade for a Corey Kluber. And then all of a sudden, you know, they could build a really, really formidable rotation. So I think um, 
I think that just offers them so much more flexibility. Yeah, exactly. That That's really one of the main points because, you know, with this guy, you're getting maybe maybe not number one ace, but ace-ish type of production, plus you're, you can do so much more with it. So I think... I think this is the guy they will go after as well. I don't, I don't know what you think about it, but... Yeah, I mean, I think they'll go after Cole, um, and I think they'll probably they'll probably try to go after Strasburg too, but I I think... I don't... Do you see John Middleton getting priced out of those guys? That's that's what I'm worried about. Honestly, like, if, if Cole is going to get to a, a number that high, like 280, 290 million, I don't know if... if that would actually be like a very smart signing, and um, I mean, do we see Middleton as a guy who'll get priced out and and walk away, or I mean, what do you think? Well, you know, they they got priced out last year on Manny Machado. They were willing yeah. to walk away from him. I know, right. you know, maybe you think he wasn't their top priority, but like you said, or like Matt Clintax said last year, he he exceeded their valuation. So they do have a. It seems that they have a walkaway point um, in some circumstances, at least. So, I I don't know. I don't think I don't think they're gonna go in wanting to spend you know stupid money again. They're not gonna you know spend whatever it takes like they really needed to last off season. But right. that's a that's a fair question whether they would just go ball out, spend all their money, uh, right. or they'd be a little bit wiser with their investments. Yeah, and a quick side note. So, um, piece up on Phillies Nation earlier today, recording on Tuesday. Um, but just about where the money situation is right now and looking at, you know, the, the luck, the likely arbitration decisions they make, uh, we talked about that on an earlier episode. It looks like they're only going to have, you know, 42 ish million, maybe a little more than that, but they're not going to have a lot of, of room between where they are and the luxury tax. And Middleton only said he would go over the luxury tax if he knew they were putting together a world series team. So they, they might have to be pretty crafty this offseason. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this off, this offseason and how they get a little crafty, which kind of leads into uh, your, your target uh, for this offseason. Yeah, so a guy who I think a lot of people have talked about um, as a potential fit for the Phillies this year, especially with um, their intentions in, in moving Gene Segura over to second or third at some point, um, is shortstop Didi Gregorius, who he spent the last five years with the Yankees, and you know he's a he had some really really good seasons, uh, specifically 2017 and 18. Uh, in those two two seasons, he was top five in all MLB shortstops in home runs, RBIs, OPS, and, and F4. He's a pretty good defensive shortstop. Would definitely be an upgrade over Segura in that regard. Um, but the reason he's not going to be, you know, a, a very expensive guy is because he got Tommy John surgery in the offseason following the 2018 season. And he so he missed a chunk of this season and he just wasn't the same player really this year. He just struggled a little bit at the plate. Um, so it, it seems like he's the kind of guy who would take a one year prove it deal, um, try and build back some of his value that he had had in in. 17 and 18 and then test free agency again next year and I think that really fits what the Phillies are looking for um you know they don't need a long-term shortstop they might need one for more than just this year but um you know they're hoping that Bryson Stott's the guy sooner than later um within you know three years or so um so I mean I don't know exactly what the number on Gregorius would be maybe like one year 13 14 15 million dollars um, can do something like that with a mutual option, and I think that really makes sense uh, for what the Phillies need. Yeah, I think that Gregorius could be a good uh, type of stopgap shortstop, like you mentioned there. Um, you know, before Bryson Stott would theoretically come in in a couple of years, who knows how that turns out? But um, but like like you said, they will need somebody to man shortstop because I don't think that they think Cigar is the guy. Um, you know, as he gets older, he's only going to get worse fielding at shortstop. Um, not particularly outstanding at it right now. And moving him to second, uh, especially with his hitting profile, it seems like uh, that'd be a pretty pretty good move for them if they do indeed choose to 
non-tender Cesar Hernandez like it's looking they're going to do. Uh, on Twitter, I suggested that maybe they try to extend Hernandez and flip Segura. People told me I was on narcotics and I should delete my account. Um, so maybe that isn't, the, you know, the most popular idea. But uh, I, I don't think that, I don't think Gene Segura will be the shortstop next season. I think that he's either, if he's on the team, which he probably will be, uh, he'll be playing second base most likely. And uh, Gregorius, like you said, he was really good in 2017 and 2018. Uh, he added, like, a lot of pop in New York. I, I don't know if that was always uh, his thing as a prospect with the Reds or with um, the Diamondbacks, but in New York it seemed like he was consistently hitting 30 home runs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't um, think he hit 30, but I, he hit upper 20s. Yeah, um, so yeah. which would you know, compared to what they were getting at shortstop from Segura. Yeah, I mean, they had that, there was, like, a two-month stretch where Segura and Hernandez both had, like, zero home runs. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, like, from July through August, there was, like, two combined home runs for both of them. And you definitely need better production from your middle infielders. And quickly, uh, back to your point, the whole extending Cesar thing. Listen, like, I, I don't think it's a horrible idea because is Segura really a much better hitter than Hernandez? I don't think so. And if you... I mean, he was last season, but Hernandez was, like, pretty bad. He's yeah, pretty he bad compared to what he can be. Yeah. He's having a down year. And um, I think that if you can downgrade a, a tiny bit at second base but save... You know, Segura's making $14 million a year, which is a lot for the kind of player he is. If you could get Cesar on something like a $7 million per year contract, then you're that's $7 million that you can do something else with. So, again, I mean, I, I definitely think it's at least an intriguing idea. But like you said, I don't think they will uh, end up trading Segura this offseason. Yeah, you know, for multiple reasons. Maybe because they think Segura is better. Um, which he probably is. He's probably just a little bit better than Hernandez is right now. And also because of his no trade clause and because of his contract, it'll probably it'll be tough to to completely offload him uh, anyway. But it, that was just kind of an idea I threw around. Thought it might be interesting. But uh, going back to Gregorius um, at shortstop, I think um, I look I look it up now. As I look it up now. Uh, he hit 25 homers in 2017 and 27 and 18, so just under 30 home runs uh, both of those years. And I think I think the team, like I said, they could really use uh, a little bit of power from the shortstop uh, position, something they have not gotten in the last two years for sure um, and probably haven't really gotten since J-Roll. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, Freddie Galvis popped 20 home runs that one year. Yeah, true. You know, and he his, he popped twenty home runs, and I think his OPS was still like six ninety. That's awesome. <laughs> that's yeah, impressive. It's great. Yeah, but yeah, um, you know, Gregorius, not including this year, but seventeen and eighteen, his uh, his OPS was the you know right around eight hundred, both of those years. So I think he'd be, I think he'd be an intriguing guy to go after on that kind of one year, uh, prove it deal, uh, see if he can prove that he's healthy and he's you know, the kind of player he was in 17 and 18. Yeah, and, you know, there aren't a ton of alternatives. We talked uh, uh, another episode. You mentioned, you know, signing Scooter Jeanette to play second, and then you keep Segura on that side of the – on the other side of the diamond. Um, they're going to need to sign a, a third baseman, second baseman, or shortstop. And I think um, the, the third baseman, you know, uh, Donaldson and Moustakis are probably going to get slightly – bigger contracts. Obviously, Rendon is going to get a massive contract. Um, and at shortstop, other than Gregorius, who else is out there? Freddie Galvis? I mean, listen, I'm all for back. I am all for the Freddie Galvis reunion in Philadelphia. It would be go way better than the Deshaun Jackson reunion. Let me just put that out there. I think it would be go, it would go better than a Cole Hamels reunion in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think I, I think Hamels is bad now. Sorry, that's that's a whole another topic for another time. But yeah, we'll we'll address that at some yeah. point over the off season. But uh, my overall point is that I think Gregorius is is pretty clear cut, like the best option to figure out 
the infield right now. I don't I don't see someone else um, just in terms of of fit that that would be a, a more ideal target. Yeah, completely completely agree. Um, we're gonna go into the mailbag. You know, we put out a tweet on the Phillies Nation account. Uh, Johnny and I also tweeted some stuff out and. We, we got a good amount of pretty good questions in from you guys, uh, the listeners, uh, so we're going to dive into those real quick. The first question that we got, Johnny, this is from Dan Morgan of the Process Potables podcast. Shout out to Dan. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he said, when would you expect a JT Real Muto extension, uh, unless you don't expect one, and what do you think it looks like? This is something that we kind of touched up on uh, in a previous episode, I believe. But my guess uh, was a little bit lower than yours then. I, I believe I said it would be around five years, $115 million-ish. Yeah. Um, and as to when it'll be, who knows? Like, who really right. knows? I don't know. I, I have no clue. Yeah. When, when, I have no idea. I mean, there were a lot of extensions last year. Yeah, but most of the extensions last year, from what I can remember, they were all right around the same time, around spring training. It seemed like uh, like Trout, Sale, uh, you know, a bunch of those guys, they all signed extensions right around the same time. So, uh, you know, who really knows when it might come? Maybe it'll be uh, just before the season, but maybe it'll be a little earlier. But um, what, do, what do you think number-wise? Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying. I think it's going to be a little bit more expensive than um, a lot of other people have said, and I'm going to go five years, $125 million. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a sixth year. You know, I think it'd be a risk to take, but maybe it's something the Phillies would be willing to do to get a lower AAB. Um, and one more thing regarding when it'll be, do you think uh, the Grandal contract will have any impact on it like do you think real muto would want to try and get it done before that happened or or wait till after um, kind of set any value or, or anything yeah i think i think grindall's gonna get paid so i think he might wait till after it see what he gets and then say you know i'm better than this better guy. and younger like, yeah, yeah i'm better and younger than this guy so give me what he got plus five million more a year yeah i agree with that i definitely wouldn't expect it anytime soon yeah, I completely agree. Um, next question that we got in, this is coming from Austin. Uh, what not-so-glaring issues do the Phillies need to address this offseason to ensure they get back into the playoffs next season? Uh, this this question is pretty interesting. I, I'd say the completely glaring uh, issue is the starting rotation, which was horrible last season. But, Johnny, what do you think uh, kind of the more under-the-radar moves they'll need to take are? Um, I think that the bench was a pretty big issue in, in 2019. Um, obviously, people know that you love Andrew Knapp, but, and he's a fine backup catcher, but if you look back and see the amount of situations in which he was the guy who was pinch-hitting in a really uh, big situation, um, I think that was a, a big problem. And, and hopefully, Jay Bruce will be healthy all season long, but I think... Um, whether it be signing Howie Kendrick or uh, bringing back Brad Miller and, you know, maybe a couple other guys to really shore up the bench. Because um, we saw how important that could be, like, with Kendrick in the in the playoffs, having a guy like that who can all of a sudden, you know, someone's hurt and you need someone in the lineup. Um, having that, that guy who can come in and, and produce is really important. And the Phillies did not have that this year. Yeah, um, you know, another another big part of that with the bench is um, hopefully they won't have to go to Nap as a pinch hitter as much because there's an extra roster spot next season. So, you know, uh, as we know, MLB is expanding the 26-man rosters, uh, so there'll be an extra bench guy most likely, uh, which which is big. Um, but like you said, they I think they tried to get Jay Bruce as that type of bench guy and then injuries made it work out differently but uh, I think that's a good point the bench um, it could definitely use some bolstering I I want them to keep Miller Um, you know Brad Miller I thought he was one of the lone bright spots off the bench for this team last season and I think that uh, he's someone they should keep around but they will also need to try to find some upgrades there absolutely yeah I agree um Um. Next next question we got in, this is from Kevin Devine. 
Uh, out of all the free agents the Phillies could potentially lose this offseason, who would you want to keep and why? Hmm. So I feel like there are some obvious answers here. Uh, we've talked about a couple of them. We just talked about uh, Miller, and we talked about him on another episode. I think he's um, one guy that you wouldn't want to lose just because he, he did show um, that he could come off the bench and really hit the ball hard and, and give good at-bats. Um, Corey Dickerson, a guy you've talked about plenty. Um, but for me, and I'll, I'm going to talk about this guy later in, in another segment too, and I think this might this answer might surprise some people. I think it's I want them the Phillies to try their best to keep Jared Hughes. Uh, they declined his option on Monday. His three million he had a three million dollar option for 2020. Um, but I think you know his the perception of how he was. He was better than that. He pitched in a ton of games. The so after they acquired him, there were 40 games left in the season, and he pitched in 25 of those. Having a guy who can come in night in and night out and get the ball no matter if he pitched the night before, uh, I think that's really important, and it's not like you're going to need to use him in high-leverage situations, um, but he could still uh, give this team a lot. So he's one guy, I mean, it's not you know super important that they do it, but I, I would be intrigued to see if they can get him back on you know, a, a minor league deal or a, a cheap, probably, probably a cheap major league deal. Um, that was a little cheaper than his option. What about you? Yeah, so I I kind of agree about Hughes. It would depend on what the deal is, but uh I would not I would not want to go into the twenty twenty season without knowing I can watch him run in from the bullpen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just it's it's a bright spot of my summer nights. So uh that's it gave us the greatest JT Real Muto gif of all time. Oh, exactly, exactly. But um, you know, going back to what I said in the intro of this pod, uh This question made me think a lot um, about Mike Morin. I went back and I looked at a lot of his stats, um, and he was was pretty good for the Phillies. Um, He's probably not fit to be the setup man like he was forced to be um, in 2019 when he got traded here from the Twins. Um, But I think as an innings eater guy, you know, uh, lower leverage, I think Mike Morin could be a pretty uh, interesting piece for the Phillies. And if he would come back on a minor league deal, I think that'd be really awesome. Um, but I think that he's someone who has uh, he has value, and I don't know if a team is really going to see that. And you know, I think the Phillies saw some of that uh, this season. And I really like his changeup; it's super slow and hilarious. <laughs> so I think they should bring him back. I I agree with on Morin too. Um, I think he had a couple clunkers, but other than that, he was pretty serviceable and. It all comes down to, you know, these aren't guys who should be pitching in high-leverage situations night in and night out, and that's kind of what happened. But, you know, you're not bringing them back hoping to do that again, both with Hughes and Morin, but they're still guys who, who are pretty solid major league relievers and, um, you know, low-mid-leverage low, low mid-leverage guys who can, uh, I think, get the job done. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate uh, Smiley on a minor league deal either. Um I don't really like him, but um, he was fine in in the second half for the Phillies. And uh, if they could put him in that AAA rotation and then uh, use him as needed if injuries or anything come comes up, uh, I think that'd be a fine, uh, you know, a fine move. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I don't think he's good, but he was. I mean, he definitely had some decent starts, and having him as depth. In the minor leagues, in AAA, in case something goes wrong, I mean, that's one of the things that killed them this year was, uh, you know, they had, they had to send Pivetta down, and Eikhoff came up, was good for a little while, and then was horrible, and all of a sudden, you know, they had th- three or four guys who could start, and um, having depth, they definitely overestimate, overestimated their depth last season, and really building that this season in, in AAA, I think, is uh, pretty important. Yeah, next question. This one's coming in from Phillies Nation own Brandon Apter. Shout uh, out, Brandon. He, he says, Reese Hoskins was a clear disappointment, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, what is his outlook now moving forward? I have a comment to make about Brandon's question. Uh, he, I think, you know, he says, especially in the second half of the season, I'd say only in the second half of the season, 
because uh, as you said, Reese Hoskins, he was pretty good in the first half. So, you know, we, uh, you are kind of the Reese hater guy uh, of Philly's Twitter. You kind of, you've kind of led that, uh, you know, that, that <laughs> mob. So, uh, I, I, you know, let's be fair to him at least, though. Listen, the Reese hater guy. I just, I'm the stats guy, and I tweet the stats, and the stats tell the whole story. And Reese Hoskins was a horrible baseball player. In the second half. In the second half half of 2019. But guess what? Like, he also was good. He wasn't that great in the first half. He had a good month. And then he was average. I think it was my stat last last week, splitting his, his season up into four parts. Even the second part. The second quarter of the season wasn't great. Um, and, you know, his whole career, he's trended downwards. Uh, now, obviously, he was still really good last in 2018. Um, but Hoskins, he's just, it's been a downward trend. And I don't know what his outlook is. I think the team definitely sees him, still sees him as a all-star player. Um, and I think the potential for that is still definitely there, but... I don't think you can be anything but concerned about how things have kind of trended for, for Hoskins. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I was kind of just trolling on my criticism of the question uh, because <laughs> even when he was good early on in the season, um, you know, he was hitting pop-ups that were going out for home runs. And, like, even yeah. even when he was getting success, his batted balls were, like, not that promising. Uh so Hoskins, you know, he's definitely a concern. Um, his outlook going forward, I think he's still going to be a starter in, two, in you know, 2020. Uh, I don't think they invite him to the manager's introductory press conference if they plan on trying to deal with him. Uh, you know what I mean? You know, that's just bad PR. So I don't if, – if they thought Hoskins might not be a part of their future, they wouldn't have had him at that press conference. You know, they wouldn't – they wouldn't, you know, keep using him as one of the faces of their franchise. Most likely, you know, can't completely rule anything out. But uh, it it just seems like they still have a very bright outlook on Reese Hoskins. With Reese Hoskins, which I am, I'm not sure about. I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I think. Listen, like like you said, with the 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 first half of the season, you like you said, was hitting a lot of pop-ups that just left the yard. Uh, the one that always comes to mind, I don't know if you remember, against the Twins? Twins. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Was it off Berea's? Yes, and he hit it, like, off the end of the bat, and it just somehow, I don't even know, he, like, reached out and poked it. But um, I was looking on Baseball Savant last week or a couple weeks ago, and I, I just, like, the leaderboard, his, I don't know how much you can take from this, but his average home run distance like 380 feet which is like really low it's like 300th in baseball so like it's not like he was crushing balls he was just barely getting them out and I mean the ball was juice and listen the ball was juice and he was horrible in the second half like the juice ball should have really helped Reese Hoskins and it didn't yeah that's it's super concerning and every time I talk about Reese Hoskins um you know since he started this extended slump. It's like, I almost don't know what to say because it's just a huge question mark because you've seen in 2017 and parts of 2018, you've seen how good he can really be. But, you know, looking at this year, you can see how horrible he can be. And Absolutely. how do you, how do you know what he's going to, what he's going to give you? Yeah, I, but- I, I don't know how you can rely on him. Uh, like being that all-star type of guy. Right. But, like, we talked a little bit about trading Reese, I think, on another episode. But I, I just don't think that you can trade him when his value is where it is right now. Because he's a first baseman that is not even a good defensive first baseman. He's basically a DH. And guys like that who, you know, hit for power and have a good eye, they're pretty easy to find when they can only play first base. Um, so, like, the idea of, of trading him... Uh, it doesn't really make sense if, especially if the team does think that there's potential for him to be a, still be a really good player. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I, I, like you said, they're, he's going to be back next year. I don't see them dealing him. 
Um, next question. This is from Andrew Shipatovsky. Would you rather have Garrett Cole and Cole Hamels or Zach Wheeler and Steven Strasburg? Uh, this is, I think this is a pretty easy answer. Uh, all things considered equal, I would take Wheeler and Strasburg. Obviously, that'd be a more expensive pairing because I don't know how much less Strasburg is going to get than Cole. Um, but... I mean, Wheeler and Strasburg, if you have Aaron Nolo, Zach Wheeler, and Steven Strasburg in your rotation, that's, like, a very, very good rotation. Uh, like, that's a big three. Uh, I already said it earlier on the pod, I think Cole Hamels isn't good anymore. He was so bad the second half of the season. Um, although, you know... He brought the Phillies Cole, back. He, what'd you say? He brought the Phillies back. He saved he their season the with, that, with that start. Yeah. But the... I wish Cole Irvin was a little better because if we could have, you know, a Cole-Cole and Cole rotation, that would be pretty awesome. But Cole Irvin isn't better, and I don't think they're going to sign Garrett Cole and Cole Hamill. So yeah, that's it, out the window. Ignore, ignoring the money on this, uh, I, it's pretty easily Wheeler and Strasburg. Uh, now how they would do that and field, you know, the rest of a team, I don't know. But uh, just based on the players alone, ignoring their contracts, I'd take Zach Wheeler and Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Uh, next question we have, this is from Rob. Is Reese Hoskins the greatest left fielder in the <laughs> baseball history? <laughs> Listen, he might be. He pulled a triple play once. Yeah. Uh, I was Players weekend, right? That the other night. What's that? Players weekend, right? Yeah. It was his rookie year. He like <laughs> he catches the ball and then they thought he dropped it because it fell out of his glove. It's pretty funny. Everyone was confused, but yeah, I started that triple play. Uh, listen, for those who don't follow me on Twitter, don't know I want more than anything. I want to see Reese Hoskins play in left field again. I just think it's so funny. I think like he's so bad. He was wasn't he the worst rated left fielder in like baseball history? Uh, one of them, I believe. Yeah, he was terrible. I, I, it's so much fun to watch, like, objectively. Obviously, when he's on the team you're rooting for, it's really frustrating, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I missed it this season. Yeah, so. I miss I miss the Reese Hoskins, Carlos Santana, Justin Bohr lineups, and oh. I think that the Phillies should sign all first basemen to mm-hmm. really fulfill uh, Matt Klintak's uh, dream. Destiny. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the Sixers. It the running joke. <laughs> the running joke is that like Elton has a big man kink. I think that Matt Klintak, he kind of has the same thing going. Yeah, with first baseman. I mean, Jose Abreu, free agent. Justin Bohr, free agent. You can make it happen. Yeah, Matt Klintak. What are you waiting for? Uh, but anyway, next question. <laughs> oh next question. What do you think the Phillies bench will look like come opening day? Uh, that's from Harper Mullet season. We kind of talked about this a little bit uh, with the bench. Um, I think that Miller will be back. I think that uh, I really don't know after that. Actually, what do you think? Yeah, Miller. Uh, I think they'll have Goslin on a minor league deal again. So at some point, he'll I think, be back. I think Nap will be back. You know, there are some good backup options. Like, if they could sign Jan Gomes to back up Real Muto, that's really tempting. But, you know, this is this is coming not just from me being, you know, one of the only people who is not an Andrew Knapp hater. Like, don't you think they would rather just spend their money elsewhere on things that actually matter? I mean, probably. And, like, they're not going to – they wouldn't spend – I mean, how much do you think Gomes would – Take three million, four million. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say four. Yeah, I saw Darno was projected five, which that's a little pricey uh, for my taste. But I don't know. I think having an upgrade of a really good backup catcher that would allow you to play Real Muto twenty five games at first during the season, um, which obviously pushes Reese to left field, um, which is the most important part. But like. You don't want Real Muto to catch however how many games did he catch this year? Over hundred thirty. Like that's not a good recipe for a guy who you want to 
you know, produce a lot over the next several years. Especially if you're if you're signing Real Muto to an extension, you have to commit to also uh, keeping him healthy. Yeah, and part of that is getting a catcher who who's going to play a lot. And I don't listen. I don't dislike Nap, but I don't know if he's that guy. If you can get someone better who has you know Gomes started for for years in Cleveland, you get a guy who can do that and and produce a little more. Um, I don't think that like I, I think it's something they should look, at least look into this offseason. Yeah, um, depending on the price, I think that it makes sense. Uh, you know, sadly, it would push Nap to AAA, most likely. But, you know, with that extra roster spot, he, he'd probably get, you know, his good deal of, of burn as well on the Major League squad. But but like you said, keeping Rio Muto healthy is, you know, that needs to be a top priority of this team. He ended up getting hurt near the end of 2019, uh, you know, probably partially due to the wear and tear on his body from catching so much. Um, so that, that definitely needs to be a priority for them uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, the rest of the bench, I don't know. Like Miller, Goslin, uh, Knapp maybe, or a catcher. I mean, who else? I don't know. Does that improve their bench? Probably. Uh, well, Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce, obviously. of course, yeah. But I don't know. Does that actually improve their bench from last year? Because it just sounds like we're keeping everyone no, around. That is the exact same bench. So they probably need to. I don't know if. I feel like Howie Kendrick is going to end up staying in Washington just because teams always sign their postseason hero. Um, I mean, the Red Sox. Yeah, Pierce. And Nathan, they gave Evaldi $64 million, But, you know. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think Kendrick is probably the best guy out there. In terms of a, a, a bench guy. Yeah, um, I think I'd agree. And then uh, maybe, who knows, you know, uh, there's guys in the minor league system that have produced guys like uh, Austin Listy come to mind that maybe they have a role uh, going forward on the Phillies bench. Uh, there's probably not a spot for Listy right away, but uh, I, I think he could see himself in a bench role pretty soon. Right. Um, next, next question we have is coming from Rotcod, which is doctor spelled backwards, uh, which I noticed right before the episode. <laughs> um, how do you rebuild, sorry, how do you build depth in a farm system for an organization that says the rebuild is over? Uh, this is a really interesting question, I thought. Uh, probably my favorite out of all of these, no disrespect to anyone else who asked a question, but uh, this was just a really good one, I think. Um, just because the quote-unquote rebuild is over doesn't mean that your player development cycle is over. You look at the teams that are consistently good, um, you look at the Yankees, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Rays, and even when the major league team is good, they have quality prospects uh, in their minor league system. And I think that really goes back to, you know, this, this is going to sound like super obvious, but the team needs to draft better. They need to find, you know, hidden gems in the international market, and they need to develop their players more. I know that's, yeah. like, completely obvious, and I think that they're making uh, strides in doing so um, with some of the hires they've made. You know, they've brought in guys from driveline baseball for player development. Uh, you know, we talked to, to Connor Hinchliffe, a Phillies minor leaguer, last week, and he talked about some of the technology they're using to try to uh, – develop their minor league players, which I think is a positive sign. Uh, you know, they hire Brian Barber from the Yankees. You, you know, he, he, the Yankees don't have the best uh, type of history in drafting as of late, but, you know, he was involved in the drafting of Aaron Judge, which is something that's clearly good. So, you know, going forward, hopefully they can kind of figure it out. But um, just because they want to win now doesn't mean that they're going to stop worrying about their farm system. I don't think it's going to be a Ruben Amaro type of thing where he's going to trade away all their prospects and things like, things like that. Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem with this question is I don't, I don't know about you. I don't see the Phillies rebuild as a success. Um, so like, I think, for you know, a team that's coming off of a successful rebuild, you could say, oh, you know, sustain this. You know, you, you might be drafting later, but keep doing what you've been doing. The Phillies haven't figured 
out what works for them. Um, the only reason that there's potential for them to get out of this is because they have a lot of money to spend, uh, and they made, you know, the real Muto trade, which obviously that was uh, because of farm depth. But I think in general, I, I mean, do you see do you see this rebuild as a success? Their, their um, best their best player their best position player was Reese Hoskins. Well, yes, yes, and no. I mean, uh, they put themselves in a position where they were attractive enough to sign big free agents, which, you you know, is is good. They have a few homegrown guys. Um, not every rebuild is the same. You know, not everybody is going to rebuild with just prospects. Like you said, the Phillies have the advantage of being able to sign big free agents, and that, you know, whether uh, that means they're super smart uh, for doing it or not, that is how they decided to rebuild. So in a sense, it's been successful. But, um, you know, one of the reasons it hasn't been as successful as it could have been, uh, in my opinion, is because, you know, you've heard it countless times from Matt Clintack and Andy McPhail, especially McPhail. They were so set on having the quickest rebuild in history to the point where it seemed like they completely messed up a ton of the details in between. Like they right. were... It was a short-sighted rebuild in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Um, yeah. They they were so set on being that that fastest turnaround, where and they just like didn't get it all done. It, and uh, yeah. so while it's been successful in some points, because I think the plan was always they were gonna you know hopefully field a team that was good enough that they could ball out on their final piece in the huge twenty eighteen off season. I think that was always part of their plan. And, you know, to an extent that kind of worked, but, you know, also they developed no pitching, which is a huge concern other than Aaron Nola and a few relievers here and there. Um, So I don't know that it's kind of a philosophical discussion, whether it was truly a success or not. Uh, I think my final answer would be like, kind of, yeah, I mean, I agree. They put themselves in the position to to get free agents, but like, the only reason they were able to do that is because they have an owner willing to spend. I mean, like a team like the the Tampa Bay Rays wouldn't be able to af- afford a rebuild that was this poor in terms of um, developing talent. So I think, like, in that regard, I don't see it as a success at all. But just because. You know they're in the this market with the owner willing to spend. Um, they're they're going to be able to maybe dig themselves back and and make the playoffs. Um, yeah. In the near future. Yeah, agreed. Um, you know, moving on. Next question. Uh, this is from Johnny's roommate Sam. He yeah. says, "Who is the most likely target this off season?" A very what you a know, great question. Coming off Thanks, that Sam. very insightful question, <laughs> we got a very good question from Rotcod. Uh, doctor spelled backwards, but, but you know Sam, he's really coming in with the hard hitting <laughs> questions for us. So, who do you think is the most likely target this off season? Most likely target? Um, honestly, I think Gregorius is. Uh, honestly, I think Gregorius and Wheeler, like the, the guys we talked about for fifteen minutes on this episode, I think those guys are super likely targets. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think I would agree. I think those guys are the most likely. Uh, May I don't know. It'll depend. Like when reports start coming out, you'll get a better feel of where this is gonna go. Uh, because I think that like last season, as soon as you heard like stupid money come out right around the beginning of December, you were like, oh, like Harper is their guy. Like right. maybe there was Machado rumors mixed in, but it like felt like Harper was the guy they'd be going after. And right now we don't have anything like that. Yeah. So yeah. right now it feels like those two guys, but uh, we'll we'll kind of see as as right. we go along. Right. And mm-hmm. then um, you know, this is the last question that we got. This is from Dan. Um, this says, "Will Cesar Hernandez be back in 2020?" We talked about this a little bit. Short answer: No. Long answer: No. If, it, long answer, if you suggest he might be, uh, you might be on drugs and you should delete it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, you know, that, that has it for our mailbag questions. Thank you to everyone who 
submitted one. Uh, I thought these were really good. This was probably something we'll do again at some point in the off season. Uh, probably make this a monthly thing or, or something along those lines. Yeah, you know, agree. First episode every month. Do a mailbag. Yeah, something something like that. This this went pretty well. Um, last segment of the day, Johnny. What is your interesting stat of this week? All right. So this goes back to something we were talking about earlier uh, when we were talking about guys we uh, free agents they might lose that we would want back. Mine was Jared Hughes. So Jared Hughes, if you remove his worst outing as a Philly this year. In 24 games, 22 and a third inning pitched, a 2.41 ERA, and a 0.851 whip. Uh, you know, 20 strikeouts, 8 walks. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys or anything, but other than one outing, I think it was, like, he pitched, like, a third of an inning and gave up four or five runs. Other than that, he was pretty effective. He gave up some solo home runs here and there. He definitely has a long ball problem, but like I said earlier, I think when you have a guy who can come in uh, to a game on any given night, always willing to take the ball. Uh, somewhat, some would call him the anti-Pat Neshek in that regard. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not good. I mean, or nearly as good as Pat Neshek, but uh, you know, people hated when Neshek would appear to refuse to take the ball on a back-to-back night or whatever. And I think um, having a guy like Hughes who will take the ball is important. And he was good ish so i'm intrigued to see if he maybe comes back what about you ty what's your interesting stat yeah my stat my stat for this week um talked a little bit earlier did a deep dive on mike morin and i discovered that in 2019 phillies and twins reliever mike morin was in the 96th percentile in exit velocity allowed (laughs) And the 98th percentile in hard hit percentage in all of the major leagues. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. How can you not want to bring that back? I do remember a couple games, like a couple of his implosions happened because he was just getting batted. Like, just like balls were getting through the hole and stuff. Like, he definitely pitches to very weak contact. Yeah, um, and his changeup is objectively hilarious. And I think that the Phillies need to bring him back. Yeah, I concur. All right. Yeah, that'll that'll do it for this week's episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Um, yeah, you can follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe on Apple Pods, uh, follow us on Spotify as well. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been Ty Dobbert for Johnny Heller. We'll see you next week. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.